0: Welcome to season 6 of the life Giver podcast a place for honest conversation and hope for your marriage and home. this is your host Corey Weathers and I'm a military spouse clinician and advocate and I'm bringing topics that I hear from the service community and counseling room to the podcast. This season, we're talking about what it means to be strong in body, mind, and spirit. And I'm giving you the challenge of rising above your circumstances to become the best version of you. So grab a cup of coffee or head out for that run. We have a lot to talk about.
1: Welcome to the Life Giver podcast. This is Matt Weathers. Today's episode is part of a three-part series on restoration. In this series... Corey will unpack God's design for restoration in relationships, especially your marriage. Recorded at a faith-based event in Oregon, Corey shows how your marriage can move past hurt and into a more intimate and forgiving place. While the LifeGiver podcast is not necessarily a faith-based podcast, it is a place for honest conversation. And we believe that conversation often needs to address the deeper questions of spirituality and deeper healing for the soul. Dissonance is a clash when two disharmonious sounds are happening at the same time, and it creates a tension, even in music, to make you want a resolve, right? Music has this powerful way to make you want to like end it, or resolve it, or finish it, and without that last note, it just kind of leaves you hanging, doesn't it? Um, hi, my name is Corey. I am so, so, so excited. I can't even tell you how excited I am to spend some time with you guys. I was thinking about, as I was preparing, um, that this I didn't think about this till this afternoon, but this event, I was supposed to speak at this event last year, and it was the first event that I had to cancel because of COVID, and it's the first event that I get to actually speak in person again. So, that's awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm so excited to see faces, even though some of them are only half faces. I'm just so excited to see faces. I have been doing virtual events for like a year and a half, I think. And so, I'm thrilled to be here with you. I'm so thankful that you guys are here. Thank you for uh, making the effort to come here this weekend. Um, thank you for putting yourselves first. Thank you for putting your family first. Um, thank you for whatever intentionality it took for you to get to where you are right now, sitting in these seats. Um, I have kids. I, my husband and I have done marriage retreats. Like, we know what it's like to pack up the car, and especially if you've got little ones. I'm telling you, I have teenagers now. Even when you have teenagers, you're trying to pack up that car and get everybody here without— it's worse than trying to get to church on a Sunday morning. Right? Like it is seriously like the arguments that happen, the tension that happens. And it's just like the enemy is just like, I'm going to destroy you before you even get out of the driveway. Anybody? (laughs) So, um, but you're here and I'm so glad that you're here and I'm really looking forward to serving you this weekend. Um, So I am going to, let me introduce myself just a little bit more. Um, My name is Corey. I'm going to pull up my notes here. I'm a military spouse. My husband is an active duty army chaplain. We are stationed at Fort Hood right now. Um, Yes, we asked to go there. I do not know why we did not ask to come here because this is amazing. Can I just, I mean, y'all know that y'all live here kind of, you know, but I mean like it's, it is amazing. I pulled up and I was like, it, it's like the mountains and the beach, like it's all here at the same time. And I'm so confused. Like, I'm like looking at the water and then I'm looking at like, do I go for a hike or do I go for a swim? Do I go for a hike or do I go for a swim? I'm not going anywhere because I'm pretty sure that there's a Sasquatch in those woods. So I'm going to stay in my hotel room. <laughs> Conspiracy solved. Um, so, no, it's um, it's it's so beautiful here, and so I'm so thrilled. So thank you for having me here. So, you know, I was thinking this week about, um, actually for the last several months, about what to speak on. The last year has been quite interesting. I know everybody here has had an interesting year. We're not going to totally rehash it, um, but I when I was thinking about what to speak on, I was thinking about... Um, the need for restoration. The word restoration just kind of kept coming up in my mind. And so we're going to talk about that this weekend. Um, But I want to kind of go back for a second and talk about this dissonance thing, right? This this feeling of a lingering tension, this feeling that happens when there's not resolve, when something's not right. And, um, you know, when you think about music, Music is obviously a great way to demonstrate dissonance and tension and the need for resolve, but we are created by God to need resolve. We're created by God to need um, resolution. Um, But I think we're also created by God because I think he's a creator, right? He's an artist. He's a, um, nothing's boring about him, right? And so I think that he also creates opportunities for clash and for tension. And I think it keeps us from getting bored, right? I mean, things are always the same and nothing is ever hard, we never grow. We never change. Things are just going to get easy and we're going to get relaxed and, and we're going to get too comfortable. And so I'm not saying that God creates tension, but he is um, a God that brings order to chaos. And so somehow chaos has to be part of the plan. And so when I think about music, um, there's these amazing masters like Chopin and Beethoven and Bach, and and they would write music where they would create this dissonance, that clashing of 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 sounds, the clashing of two notes that shouldn't go together. And it creates this kind of uneasy feeling in you. And and some of these masters would take you on this roller coaster ride of like, they would get you to this place where they create so much tension and then you think it's going to resolve and then it wouldn't. You know, they'd go back. And then they would build the tension again, and they'd get you right where you want it to resolve, and then they wouldn't. They would take you back. And Chopin does this really, really amazing piece where you go through that process like five or ten times, and when he finally lands on that last note, you just sigh. You just are like, it's finished, and it's beautiful, and it's as it should have been, and I had a great time. Let's do it again. Like, let's do it again. And I got me thinking, like, isn't it amazing how there are some adventures that we so easily go on and we bring in that dissonance, we bring in that tension and we're okay with it? But when, it's, when it kind of comes a little too close to home, it gets a little too personal, tension, <clears throat> lack of resolve, drama, relationships get messy, things not being resolved then it gets tough, right? And I'm like, I don't want to go on that again. Like it's not even over yet, right? When you're lingering in that tension of, of things not resolved. And so it got me thinking, you know what? This past year was like one long dissonant note. You know what I mean? Like as if we didn't go through enough like uncertainty in our lifestyle, Right? Like that's all we—that's all we do—is exist in uncertainty and exist in like when is anything going to resolve? Like as soon as something resolves, you get orders, right? As soon as I, as soon as they come home, it's like a training. As soon as you PCS somewhere and, and get things packed, it's like oh, there's new orders to do something else, or or a kid's got a problem, right? Like there's just no lasting resolve. And so if things weren't hard enough, like this past year was really challenging for all of us, and it was like one long dissonant note waiting for a resolve. And I think that's part of the reason why we just started to get so unsettled. And so when I was thinking about what do we talk about this week, and this word restoration kept coming up, I thought to myself, you know, that makes sense. It makes sense that, you know, in the beginning of when COVID happened, especially all the, con- the sessions that I was having, it was on loop. All my sessions were on loop. They were s- same topic, same issue, same struggle. Everybody was like, I just wanted to go back just wanted to go back the way it was. I just want my kids school to go back the way that it was. I want my work to go back the way it was. I want to be able to go shopping like I did before. I want to go to restaurants like I did before. I just wanted to go back the way it was. And that's what restoration means if you look it up in the dictionary. It means it goes back to what it was before. So that makes sense. It makes sense that that would be a good topic for us to talk about. That need for things to just go back and just get back to normal. But it hasn't really. And and something Something happened, and I noticed in my sessions, there was a shift that happened somewhere along the way, and people stopped saying it after a while. People stopped saying, I just wish things would go back to the way they were. Because enough had happened, and we had changed, and the world had changed, and the way things we were doing had changed, and enough had been brought into our life that we had evolved, where we suddenly were starting to go, I don't, think if we, I don't think we can go back. I, I don't, and I don't know what to do with that. Like, I don't know if we, we can go back to the way things were before. And what does that mean going forward? And something shifted. And I'm wondering if there's anybody here this weekend who's ever gone through something like that. Where maybe you had that spark when you first got married. And then life happened. Kids happened, Maybe kids didn't happen and things got kind of hard, and then we married to flawed people, so we hurt each other, probably not on purpose, but it happens. Or maybe the lifestyle, maybe we saw something overseas, maybe we did something overseas, maybe life just got hard, and something shifted in you, and you started to realize, I don't know if we can go back. I don't know, I don't know how to reclaim this. I don't know how to restore this. I don't know what to do going forward. How do you, how do you resolve something? And, and yet, how do you live in the tension? How do you live in the dissonance of whatever? Because this, this doesn't feel like this is what God designed for marriage to be, for what family's supposed to be, what life is supposed to be. I thought life was supposed to be joyful. And, and, and even maybe walking with God was supposed to be easy. I don't know if you grew up in, in the... Uh, in the background in the church background that I grew up in but it seemed like that was kind of like the message for a while it's like if you just pray hard enough if you just follow Jesus it's just like isn't, aren't we supposed to coast isn't he supposed to like pave the way light my path you know and then life happens and it gets harder so um, I am so excited to share with you guys what I um, what I, I didn't find it, like it's not new, like it's, it's been in scripture all along, I just happened to find it for the first time, but I am so excited because I'm going to share with you guys an equation, anybody like like equations where it's like A plus B equals C, wouldn't that be great, like nothing in our life happens like that, right, like I am going to share with you the equation this weekend, not tonight, you got to come back tomorrow, I know, isn't that terrible, it's attention tension and release, that's what it is, I just, I just did that just now, I figured that out? Didn't that go really well together? <laughs> okay, um, but I'm going to share with you guys the equation based in scripture of how to how to establish, how to bring restoration, how to bring healing into your relationships, whether it is in your marriage, whether it's with your son or your daughter or your mother or your father or your neighbor or your boss. And yeah, I know, I know it's messy. And yeah, I know that like some relationships can't be resolved. I know we're going get to get to all that tomorrow. I'm going to answer all of your questions on that tomorrow. But I am excited because I'm going to share with you what I believe is God's plan because it is possible to have restoration. We are not created to live in the in-between. We are not created to live in the tension. God is an order. He's a God that brings order out of chaos. That's what he loves to do and he loves to surprise you with that. And he's excited to bring order to that chaos. We're not supposed to live eternally and build a house in the chaos, If we're building a house there, we're missing something because God has designed a way for us to find restoration, but it's a different kind of restoration. God has a whole other version of restoration than we have here on this earth. On the earth, it's like, let's restore a car. We're going to go find all the pieces that were original pieces to that car. We're going to make it exactly the way that it was. And God doesn't do restoration like that, which isn't that fantastic? Because why would I want to have what I had before when it could be better? God's plan for restoration is from the inside out, and it is a beautiful process, and it is a plan. It's part of your plan. It is part of your relationship with God to get to go on a journey of restoration. It is a journey. It is a mission. You get to go on the mission of restoration. It's not a one-time event. And just like if, if we could ride the roller coaster of a Chopin piece and want to go again, Wouldn't it be amazing, wouldn't it be amazing to be in relationships with people and see the mission of restoration all around us and go, I want to do it again. I want to go through it again. Maybe not the same thing. Maybe it'll be a little bit better this next time, but it's a mission of restoration and that's going to make a whole lot more sense as we go through it. Okay, I want to introduce a couple of people to you. Um, this is my husband, Matt. Um, that was when um, seven days to wed. Seven days, we graduated um, undergrad, and for some reason decided to get married a week out of college. Really, we had no plan. We were really like, where else are we going to go? Let's just get married. So we did. We got married. We had no idea what we were doing. Anybody else when you got married had no idea what you were doing. We didn't even know we needed a deposit for our apartment. Like, that's how, like, we didn't we had no money. We had no jobs. I don't know how our parents or why our parents let us get married. But we, like, thankfully, parents stepped in, helped us with that apartment. Um, that was us on the right. That was us just a few weeks ago. He came back from another deployment. That's why we look so tired. Um, so in the last year, um, yeah, we've been married 22 years this past month. Um, Eleven moves, nine of those being military. Um, I've had seven career shifts, three deployments. Um, I, You know, there's a space there because I wanted to keep going, but then I was just tired. So so I didn't fill it in, but you guys know, right? Like, you're just like, yeah, I think I'm getting depressed just talking about it. So I'm not going to add anymore. Um, But, you know, I look at that picture of us when we first got married and we were just kids who had no idea. And we walked into marriage with this expectation of... you're going to act this way and I'm going to act this way and we're both going to love Jesus and then everything's going to work out great. And then a month later, it all implodes, right? And the first four to five years of our marriage were really, really very challenging and very difficult. We actually used the word hell. It was really. um, And it was up and down because we just didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know how to treat each other. We were just like... I just thought that you were going to know how to love me like God loves me. And like, here's a 20, we're 20 years old. We don't know even what love means. We, I don't think we even knew what the Bible really meant. <laughs> you know, and so no offense to anybody who's 20. Y'all are so smart. So smart. You're doing great. Keep it up. <laughs> Us, we were failing. We were failing. Um, and so, you know, I I look back and we were so poor. This is before we joined the military. We were so poor i remember this point where um and it wasn't like a sad thing i didn't realize i did it but i stopped buying magazines at the grocery store because i thought like if i kept looking at the magazines i would want things that i couldn't buy and so i just didn't pick up the magazines and then i found if i don't look at them i don't want the things that are in the magazine and i'm just happy and content and whatever we have is whatever we have it wasn't until like seven years later that I was like, I probably should see what the latest passion is um, for my sake and my husband's sake. Um, so um, so that's us. I wanted to kind of share with you a little bit about um, just our background. Our, our kids have been through a lot as military kids. And I'm sharing this because you guys know, right? This is, this, is, this is our village. This is our tribe. This is our lifestyle. My kids have been in a brand new school every year of their education. It has been um, a fascinating experience um, and a difficult one for sure. And this year definitely was a lot. We not only moved during the pandemic, we, um, we went through a deployment during the pandemic. We were, in the, we were in Texas, so we went through the Texas ice storm. Like, I know, y'all, it's cold up here. I know. But I have to tell you, we have lived in Colorado and in Virginia and in Kentucky, and that Texas ice storm was like I have never seen in my life. It was unbelievable, and um, everyone around us, except for our neighborhood, lost power and heat and water, and people were burning furniture to stay warm. Um, and and my kids just happened to get COVID that week, So, and this is during deployment. And I remember at praying to God. I was like, okay, here's the deal, God. Like, if I lose power and water, like, I have figured out how to, like, prepare the pipes. I have figured out how to make sure they have all the medicine. I have figured out Walmart delivery. I have figured out all kinds of things during this deployment. But if this house loses heat and power while these children have fevers, I swear that's going to be the end of me. The fact that we did not lose heat and power was like the biggest, loudest voice from God that he still loved me (laughs) during that deployment. So um, that's why I look very tired in that picture. So it was a rough year, but that does not... That's not to say that all of us did not have some kind of story like that. This past year was overwhelming for everyone for different reasons. Like you shared, Isabella, earlier, there has been loss. There has been different kinds of loss. There's been different kinds of stressors. There's been job losses. There's been um, so much for us to go through. And so that's why when we talk about restoration and we talk about where do we go from here, that it's such, such an important topic for us to talk about because there is somewhere new and exciting for us to go from here. So I want to take you on this quick journey tonight. Um, I'm going to make you think. Okay, I'm gonna make you think just a little bit because I wanna take you on this journey of where my mind went um, over the last several months as I was thinking on like what happened to us as a culture and where do we go from here and um, how do we bring restoration into our lives in a new and powerful way, the way that God has designed. So um, what I want to do first though is I don't know if you have something to write with. Do you have something to write with? You can take out your phones if you want to. I'm gonna let that happen. Um, But I want you to create an intention just really quick because sometimes I think we take out something to write with or a phone that you can take notes on or something because I think sometimes we race to get to a retreat like this and it took everything we had to get here, get the kids where they need to get. Everybody got fed, everybody got in our room. But um, what I want you to do is I want you to write down what are you looking forward to accomplishing this weekend? Why are you here? What are you looking forward to? It doesn't have to be profound, okay? You don't have to impress your spouse. Like, what is it that you were looking forward to? Were you looking forward to um, child care? That's okay. Food you didn't have to cook? Are you looking forward to time with your spouse, time as a family? Are you looking forward to just having a change of scenery? Anybody else like me, this is the first trip you've gone on in the last year and a half? Like, just to, to, I was so excited to leave that. So excited to leave the house. So write down what is it, what is it that you're here to do? Don't share it with your spouse yet. We're going to come back to that here in just a minute. I think it's important for us to own it and be intentional because if we don't stop and slow down and write down and be intentional with what we're here to do, we'll miss it. It'll come and go, you'll leave, you'll wonder why you even came and you'll wonder if you got what you were looking for. So just pausing for a second and writing down like, what do you hope to get out of this weekend sets that intention so that you can go after it in an intentional way. Okay, I'm going to pray for us just real quick, okay? God, thank you so much for the the opportunity to still ourselves, um, to feel the weight of um, maybe refreshment from being in a new place, but also the weight of exhaustion from what we've carried for the last year. God, thank you that your word says that you are with us wherever you go, that you won't forsake us, that you have a plan for our lives, that you have a plan for um, the hurts that we have that you have a plan for the experiences that we've gone through. And thank you, God, that you are sovereign, that nothing goes by you unnoticed, that there is no accident, that you allow things, that you grieve um, things that are worthy of grieving in our life, that you grieve alongside with us, that you hurt with us, but that you also long for us. And you long for a better relationship, and you long to bring a new creation out of our experiences. So thank you that you are sovereign. Thank you that you know better than we know. And thank you that you are going to reveal that to us throughout this weekend. Thank you for these amazing souls in this room, for what they do every day, for how they serve every day, for what they've given up for this life to serve you and to serve their family, to serve this country. Um, It is an honor to live this life, but it's an honor um, to serve them. And so thank you for that opportunity. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
0: All right. I don't know if you noticed or if you heard about it, but the New York Times put out an article that said
1: that after all these many months of COVID, that there was a new word for what Americans were, especially Americans, what Americans were feeling post-COVID or nowadays in COVID. Does anybody read that New York Times article? You know what the word was? They used the word languishing. Languishing. They said, you know what? We're not quite like, it's not like we're depressed and we're not doing great either. Like we're not like thriving. We're not flourishing and we're not depressed. We're somewhere in the middle. It's a languishing. And they describe the languishing as this kind of apathetic, not really knowing what to do with ourselves, not really having a lot of energy, not really knowing what our purpose is, not knowing where to direct that energy. Just kind of like, well, sure, we'll go to that restaurant or sure, we'll watch that TV show or sure, I'll pick up the next book, but no, like, passion, no drive, and then in that article, they also described that the antidote, which I thought was really interesting, the antidote for the languishing was flow, which is also a trendy word, which I think is kind of weird, flow is the new trendy word, it means, like, in the zone, like, maybe that's, like, the 80s version is in the zone, like, it sounds like something from, like, Top Gun or something, (laughs) right? But like, that's the new word is the trendy word of like in the zone um, flow where we, all we need is we just need to concentrate more. We just need to pick something and we need to concentrate harder and like focus on it because we have just had too many kids and all the kids like doing their schoolwork from home and we've had too many distractions. And so we're just so distracted. We just need to, to focus on something and be in the flow and then we're going to feel better. And something didn't sit right with me on that because I was like, how are we going to like get in the flow for anything if we have no desire whatsoever? Like, What am I going to do that I'm going to want to do that I'm going to actually want to concentrate it on if I don't have any desire on that? And so I knew something was kind of wrong with that. So I wanted to show you really quickly... Um, I'm going to like 9.15. I hope was, I know we got children. They're tired. If anybody needs to go, we can. Um, but I want to walk you. I know this is small print, but I'm not going to go through this in detail. I just want to point out something just very quickly to you, okay? Um, this is Maslow's Ladder. You might have heard it as Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And I want to show you what I, I believe happened during COVID. And this is really important when we're talking about restoration. Because this is an important part of the equation. But we have to understand what happened or what happens In our relationships, when we start to get to that place of languish, when we get to that place where things, that dissonance is happening, there's tension in the relationship, we're not getting along, I don't know how to resolve this, and things aren't getting better, and I don't know how to reconcile, and we're living in that place, and something happens where we find ourselves in this languishing place. And this is why, because Maslow's ladder talks about these hierarchy of needs, and we all we kind of work, it's like a ladder, we work from the bottom and we go to the top, and we have to start from the bottom, and our very basic needs is food and shelter and sleep and sex is in there, temperature, shelter, all of those things are like very basic needs. And he, bas- he said, basically if you're starving, you're not going to want to reach your fullest potential at the very top. Like, we all want peace, and we all want purpose, and we all want identity. And by the way, the number one topic for military spouses, especially right now, first responder spouses as well, is identity and purpose. A lack of identity and purpose. That's the biggest issue that we're struggling with, because we're constantly changing, and we don't know what to do, and where to put ourselves. And so, it's coming from this place of all of us wanting to reach this place, this top of full potential, and no who I am and what I'm created to do, and then going out in the world and doing that. But if I'm starving, I'm really not going to be thinking about that. It's like when you're on a mission in the battlefield, right? You come back from a really bad, you know, really horrific mission, and you're not thinking about what my purpose is in life. You're like, somebody give me a sandwich, like a a cot and a sandwich, Right? That's all I need. And so Maslow is basically saying that you have to go in this order. So you have like your basic needs and then you have your safety needs and then you have love and belonging. And then it kind of climbs from there. But what happened during COVID is we were shoved to the bottom of that ladder. and We could never get out of the first rung or two. And what's really interesting to me, and this is the one that I love the most because this blew my mind When I looked at this from a military family perspective, because on that safety needs, you would think safety means, um, well, sure, we don't need to be in abusive relationships and we need to be in a safe home. And that's when you think of safety. But in this one, you probably can't see it, but it says it includes fear of the unknown. And it blew my mind because that is our entire existence in the military world, right? In the first responder world. There's constant uncertainty. There's constant fear of the unknown. Like we are forever hovering in the second rung of the ladder and we wonder why we're struggling, Struggling in relationships, struggling to know what to do with ourselves, struggling to feel like you have a sense of purpose, because if you're constantly at the bottom rung of the ladder, or if you move, right, and you got to start all over and find a place to live and got to do this and you start all over and then maybe three to six months later, you got to like, now, where do I belong? Now, where do I plug in? Who's my neighbor? I haven't even looked up from my house to even see who my neighbor is yet right it's like you can't do that until the kids are established there's routine there there's all that happening and so COVID really shoved us for an entire year isolated us to the very bottom of that ladder and we found ourselves just hovering on the bottom and you can understand why after a while what happens after a while when you never get to climb above that right? And so when I, when I was talking about when we first got married and we were in such a place of like, we didn't have any money. We didn't, I didn't, I couldn't like go up to esteem and cognitive and aesthetic. I mean, like fashion is going to be like aesthetic needs. It's going to be a close to the top. It's appreciation for beauty. And it's like going out and going for a hike. Well, if you're struggling in life, you probably are struggling to get out of bed, much less go for a hike. And we're wondering why can't I get out of bed and go for a walk? Like that even seems hard. Right? And so it's one thing. It's one thing for for me to say, you know what? This is a tough season in life, so I'm going to suppress this need for fashion so that I can concentrate on getting established as a family. Like that's one coping skill and we would say, you know what, that's not a bad coping skill. Like there's sometimes times that we need to kind of restrain ourselves or or maybe limit things in our life or maybe turn off a desire or turn off a longing because it's maybe not necessarily where we need to be right now and there's other things to concentrate on first, right? That kind of makes sense. Sounds like a good coping skill. Sometimes these needs manifest themselves in destructive ways, right? If if there's a need for um, affection, if there's a need for um, escape, if there's a need for excitement, right? And we're not getting that, and we're turning to alcohol for that, to numb things out. That's a destructive way of meeting a deeper need. The need isn't wrong. It's how we're addressing that need. It's how it's manifesting in our life that's destructive, Those are great times to be able to deny that need and go, you know what, that's not good for me. So I'm going to suppress that need in order to figure out what the real need is so that I can go after and tend to that. Does that make sense? But what happens when you suppress for a long period of time, when you deny yourself of of a longing that is a basic need? A true basic need that's created by God for, let's say, love and belonging. For community. And you deny yourself of that. And you convince yourself over time that I just don't need it anymore right now. What happens to a soul? What happens? Y'all know. Y'all just went through it. Didn't you? It doesn't feel good. Something's not right with that, right? Why? The reason is that longing... It's created by God to create movement in your life. Longing is a good, necessary thing that you have to nurture and, and give yourself permission to feel in order to move, in order to climb this ladder, in order to restore relationships, in order to find your purpose. If you don't pay attention to the longing and if you suppress it and put it away and numb it out, It's the very thing, longing is a thing that's created by God to not only move you forward, but make you feel alive. It's how you feel alive, like you're living this life, right? I mean, like, really good community can be as good as a really good sandwich. Sometimes you're longing for, really good. I'm, I really don't need a sandwich tonight. But my point is, do you understand what I'm saying? Like there are certain things in life that God created a longing for you to meet needs that he created in you to, to, that are good and pure, that he designed in you. But we numb it out the second it gets difficult. We numb it out because it's too hard. And when you numb out something that's created in you to bring life, something dies instead. Does that make sense? If longing is, is built for movement and growth and life and feeling alive, then to suppress it, kill it, numb it, do nothing with it and pretend it doesn't exist means something has to die. Whether that is a longing for a relationship that's just gotten too hard and you don't know how to resolve it. And so I'm just, I'm just not going to want it anymore. I'm just not going to try anymore. This is just too hard. So I'm just going to exist. It's kind of tough, right? It's easier that way. This, to want it is too hard. To want it hurts too bad. And you've already hurt me so many times. I just don't want it anymore. And something dies inside of us. Because the longing for community and love and affection and attachment was designed in you to want. God put that in you so that when you feel the tension... That longing to resolve it, that longing for the final note of resolve propels you forward to restore the relationship, to make it right, to make it new. And if we just let that die and don't pay attention to it, something dies within us too. That longing is there for a reason. There are new theories now that actually say that love and belongingness on the third rung is actually the bottom. There's a lot of research that says that we are actually more fueled by attachment and community and our relationships more than any other need. Infants, infants f- reach out in attachment and bonding in order to be fed. They cry out in attachment in order to get nourishment and find security. We all are created by, by God to have relationships and to want relationships to be restored. It's a beautiful, beautiful design once you see it. Is it hard? Yeah. Is it scary? Yeah. It really is. And I know I'm introducing something pretty scary to you, but longing at its core is designed by God to fuel growth and movement. And what I'm asking for you guys to do this weekend is just to lean in just a little bit. Just a little bit. You don't have to go all the way. I mean, some of y'all can go all the way because that's why you're here, but lean in to the longing that's within you. If there's a part of you that's ready to restore something, or maybe that wants to restore something, guess what? Most of the couples that come to me for counseling, it doesn't matter what they're going through, what kind of betrayals in their relationship, what kind of devastation they feel like is going on in their relationship. When they're sitting in front of me, y'all are here. Did you realize that's good news? Like you're both here for the same reason to like make this work. Like y'all are too. You're here this weekend, regardless of what you brought in, regardless of what you're carrying, regardless of what you're grieving. And you may be, I may be saying this right now and you may be thinking about a parent. You may be thinking about a child. It's not always about marriage. But my point is, is that people long for that restoration. They long for the healing in relationships and y'all are both here and that's good news. It's a great place to start, and so I'm asking you guys to lean in, okay? Lean in and just consider what it would be like to lean into that longing and not forget that it's there to grow and propel you towards a better place. We are going to use the story of um, Paul in 2 Corinthians, and I'm going to unpack it more tomorrow, but I want to end tonight by sharing with you why I think that this is going to be a great, fun place for us to go. Because sometimes scripture comes alive in the most awesome way, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like the best novel ever, right? And so let me tell you about Paul and Second Corinthians, because I'll be honest, I used to think Second Corinthians was a pretty boring book. But turns out, turns out, let me tell you what happened with Paul and Corinthians. There's a church in Corinth, right? He gets really excited about this church that's forming in Corinth, and he gets all the people together, and he tells them how to do church, and here's how we're to put it together. And here's how you're going to run it. Here's who's going to run it. And he teaches them everything he could possibly teach them. And he's like, good luck. I'm going to check in with you later. Right? And then he goes off and he goes and does these other things. Maybe he's forming other churches. I don't know. He's all over the place. He's shipwrecked. I don't know when all that happens, but he's all over the place. Right? So then he hears, tell me if this sounds familiar. Ready? He hears the church is completely falling apart. Everybody's divided. Everybody's arguing. Sounds like a good, like, family Christmas, doesn't it? Everybody's arguing. Rumors are starting. People are starting to bash Paul. They're starting to say things like, you know what? Maybe he's really not anointed. Like, what kind of guy? Like, seriously, if he's anointed, like, why is he getting in all these trouble? Why is he poor? Why is he, like, getting shipwrecked? Why are all these bad things happening? That doesn't sound, like, really like an anointed guy, really, like, Like, who is this guy, really? So they start talking kind of bad about him. There's like these other people on the outside that are gossiping and spreading rumors. And they're starting to like say all these bad things about Paul. And people are starting to listen to it, right? And he, I mean, Paul loves these people. I mean, he like invested in these people. He like, like all of his energy, you know, and he left with like, this is a great relationship. And then while he's got his back turned, they're completely badmouthing him and accusing him of actually even pocketing money. Like the only reason why he's asking for money is, is there's got to be a shady reason behind it. Right. So he's like, you know what? I got to go straighten this out. Like I got to go defend myself. How many of us do that? Right like somebody says something that's not true sounds like a marriage argument right somebody says something you're like no wait, 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 wait. no 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 that is not what i meant that is not what i meant let me start over that was not my intention right so he goes to corinth and he's like i'm going to clean this up and i'm going to defend myself and he goes there and it's worse than he thought in fact we don't even know how bad it was all we know is that it was so painful it was so devastating that he left sounds like a rage quit I don't think he actually did but that's what I like picture like if you've ever been in that situation where you just feel so hopeless and you don't know what to do and you're so hurt and you feel so betrayed and it just seems like it's completely out of control and you have no idea how to fix it and there's so much pain inside of you all you know to do is just leave just get some distance and leave so he gets some distance and you know what he does
0: he writes a letter he
1: writes a letter. <laughs> he writes, and it's a severe letter. We actually don't have that letter, which is probably a good thing. I think God probably did that on purpose. But it's apparently a severe letter that he writes in complete tears. He pours his heart and soul into this letter in a severe way, and he basically says to the church of Corinth, he lays out the hard truth of what they have done and how they have hurt him and what they are doing wrong. And he's asking them to change, change your behavior, change your direction. It cannot go this way. He sets a boundary. He sets a boundary. I cannot exist like this. We cannot exist like this. This is too painful. This is too hard. And that's a risk. Anytime you put yourself out there is a risk, right? He puts that letter out there, and that's all he can do. He sends the letter with Titus, who's his apprentice. And we're going to talk about him more tomorrow, too, because he plays a part in this equation. He sends Titus with this letter. And because he didn't have emails and call, phone calls, whatever, he sits and he waits. And he waits in the dissonance. He waits in agony of anxiety, even Paul having anxiety of... I have no idea how this is going to turn out. I have no idea what they're going to do. I have no idea how they're going to respond. I'm completely out of control. Completely out of control. All I can do is speak my truth. And I have no idea what's going to happen from there. And we're going to find out tomorrow what he did. But in closing, I'm going to give you a little bit of a clue. I'm going to give you a first part of this equation. Restoration cannot happen without longing. It can't. Restoration does not happen without pursuit, without longing for something to change. If Paul had never written a letter, if he had never gone to Corinth, if he had never, and even in his hurt, had he not leaned in, it would have never started the process. Restoration is possible, but it cannot happen without longing. I want to share with you what he says in 2 Corinthians 6. Now, this is, this is after they respond. I'm going to share with you tomorrow what they actually did, okay? But I think that this is important for tonight as we close. He says, oh, dear Corinthian friends, I want you to hear the longing in this, okay? I want you to hear. That's what I want you to listen for. We have spoken honestly with you. Our hearts are open to you. There is no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. I am asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open your heart to us. Do you hear the longing? What a vulnerable place to be, to be so hurt and yet to express such love and longing almost begging open up your heart join me here like I'm giving it I'm giving everything I got it's all I got left I love you I've been honest with you but I can't do this if you don't join me what I want you to do is take out that piece of paper your notes your phone or whatever you use to write down what you wanted to do this weekend and now I want you to write down why Why do you want to accomplish that this weekend? Why do you want the family time? Figure out your why. What are you longing for? What's the core basic need that you're longing for that's behind that thing that you want to accomplish this weekend? Write it down and share it with your spouse tonight or maybe in the morning. Communication goes a lot better when you kind of open up and share. You might, your spouse might have a completely idea, a different idea of it's gonna accomplish this weekend. It's good for you guys to know. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for safety and getting here to this point. Thank you for these families who love each other enough that they would put each other first. To spend a weekend with you and to spend a weekend with each other. Thank you for the relationships around us that invite us into a place of restoration and into healing. A place where we can dabble in wondering if it's safe enough to make ourselves vulnerable. Even though we're married to flawed people who are going to get it wrong sometimes. Thank you that you are a God that is perfect, that is sovereign, that is safe thank you that our spouse and our children even get to be a part of this mission of restoration. Give us courage this weekend. Give us excitement this weekend. Give us playfulness this weekend. Help us to lean into opportunities to play with our kids, to play with our spouse, to enjoy the longing of fun. God, you've created us to do that as well. Thank you for this time tonight. Please let those kiddos go to sleep fast. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Life Giver podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you'd like more information about me or Life Giver, head on over to coryweathers.com or life-giver.org.